Okay, wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper Gotta get the paper Every morning gotta go and get the paper And a nice cup of coffee Or the one with two espresso shots and they call red eye Okay, welcome to episode 9 of the Great Unreaction Podcast A satirical sports podcast with me, Callum White And as always, Andrew Ernesto Seaton Andrew, how are you? I'm well I'm really well, actually. It's been a lovely weekend so far. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. I thought what I might do is start the podcast with a story. Okay. Shall so, I go get Felix? No. This story, I think <laughs> Felix is probably too young to deal with a story that's got this kind of like emotional abuse and neglect in. Um, okay. 2nd of June, 2019. Uh, let's just there's two men in this relationship let's just call them man one and man two okay I don't want to put names on it I already know what the fucking story is (laughs) (laughs) so man two on the 2nd of June says when is good for a podcast recording Fridays and Saturdays probably easiest for me and if needed can do Wednesdays Hmm. man two says either Fridays or Saturdays are good for me so man one says KK which means cool cool Let's aim for Friday. Sure, sounds good. Friday confirmed okay for me. I think what happened there is man number one theoretically confirmed with his partner because they've got a young child and it's difficult for Mm. him to get time away. Then he Mm -hmm. wrote, write it in your diary, episode nine, let's go. (laughs) No response to that message. Some, Some time passes. And then 4th of June... Man one, I'm already looking forward to podcasting. It's nice having it in the diary because it's like a little treat at the end of the week. Some people have nights out. No response from man two. <laughs> Shit. Really? <laughs> God damn it, past man two. Oh, man one, what time for podcast tonight? Eight? Some other stuff about a gig. Podcast two, uh, man two. Yeah, eight works for me. Pause. Some time passes. Other messages about nothing. Man one, running a wee bit late. Man one's partner wanted a bath. Sorry about this. Okay, ready. Hello? Picture of a chef for some reason. That was uh, uh, 25 past eight. Was that chef? Uh, Was that from the Great British menu? Yeah, Maybe. (laughs) 2141, which is an hour and 40 minutes after 8 o'clock. Hey man, really sorry, was talking to Helen about moving and just totally lost track of time. (laughs) (laughs) Can we still podcast or is it too late? Way too late, man one said. I'm uh, Man two, whoever he is, (laughs) whoever he is, man two, I'm sure he's sorry. Oh... (laughs) You know, it's one of those things like moving house and we're just talking about logistics and it just keeps going and another thing and another thing and another thing and then <laughs> it, then it was nine o'clock. <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry. In a, and then in a conversation the tonight, was... <laughs> man one said, looking forward to it, no response. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're more of a texter than me, obviously. <laughs> no, you respond to other things. respond to anything nice. <laughs> <laughs> have we, as the cat that... of the bag, that man too is in fact <laughs> Andrew and Esther Seaton. Yeah. Yeah, we were, so we were going to record episode nine on the 2nd of June, did you say that first text message was sent? Uh, 7th of June. 2nd of June, June was just when I started to get excited about it. And then now it's the 20th of July, and that's how busy life has been. That's crazy. <laughs> it's it's the, the message where I go like, I'm really glad that we've got the podcast coming up this weekend. It's like a thing in your weekend diary that you just look forward to and makes you happy. I really felt like a bad no friend. Response. I felt like a bad friend. <laughs> Is that what you wanted to hear? Because it's true. I felt like a bad friend. <laughs> and then I forgot about it because... And then I forgot about it. Yeah, that I makes me feel better. It's the busiest month of my life. Okay, let's let's do the show. Now we're back on a more regular schedule. So will we just kick straight into yeah, let's do it. the great underreaction? Okay, so uh, the title of the podcast, The Great Underreaction, was because when I was thinking about doing a podcast, I was thought something that we should do is like actually underreact to stories because journalists work themselves up into a froth about issues mm-hmm. and they're not really like the world ending. And so the, the title of the podcast is actually like ironic. It's not like ironic, it is ironic. However, I think that maybe this week I might need you to talk me down from the ledge. Ah. Because I definitely get wound up as anything by the, the topic I think we should talk about, which is VAR. VAR. Oh, I call it VAR. Oh. VAR. 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 Well, let's go to a review and see which one we should call it. What does VAR stand for? What does VAR stand for, Andrew? Video Assistant Referee. There we go. Video Action Replay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I this is the, the journey that I've gone on in VAR. I thought that having technology which showed you the correct answer and not using it was unbelievably stupid. I thought the arguments that it would ruin the flow of the game, that it would like slow down the game, were incredibly dumb. I thought the worst thing that happens is that you can see that the goal that Thierry Henry scored against Ireland was a blatant handball, and we can all see that. And within a minute of the match ending, all the players and the referees can see that. And yet France are going to the World Cup and Ireland aren't. That, to me, seemed very clear. It seemed that technology had put us in a position where we had irrefutable evidence that things took place, and yet the results were wrong. And then VAR, or VAR, was introduced, and ever since it's been introduced, I've felt like it's not working properly. It just frustrates me. So it frustrated me for the entire World Cup, and then they decided to use it for the Women's World Cup, and I nearly broke my TV <laughs> because it drove me up the wall. 
Scotland were admittedly very bad, but Scotland were in this position where they'd already had like unbelievably questionable VAR decisions given against them, and then the they get a penalty in the last seconds of the game, and the girl steps up to take it. No, the other team got a penalty. The girl steps up to take it, and the Scottish keeper saves it, and then they go to VAR review to see whether or not one of her feet were still on the line. And it turns out, nope, she'd stepped marginally forward. It hadn't impacted on her ability to save the penalty, which was complete shite. Then they go, right, we're going to now have to take this penalty again. Because she scored it, there's no review. It just, like, clearly wasn't how technology was supposed to be used. And so I find myself in this position that I still think that VAR is something that should be used, but I've realized that I have no faith in the ability of it, people to use it properly. Therefore, it shouldn't be used. Right. Okay. I think we do have a disagreement. This is good. Oh. So I, I, um, so I agree with you completely that VAR has been generally more shit than good since it's been introduced. I would say the negatives are outweighing the positives at the moment. But I would argue that that is because it's not been enacted in the way they said it would be enacted, right? So the way that they said what it was going to be was it was going to be VAR for to avoid complete howlers. It was going to be only uncontroversial decisions would be made by VAR. Like you say, it's obvious to everyone that Thierry Henry handballed on the line, right? So if a decision is controversial, if a VAR makes a decision and it's controversial, then VAR's not worked, right? VAR mm-hmm. should go with a ruling on the field, right? And non-decisions would be, like, non-decisions by the VAR would be less controversial because we're already used to the ruling on the field, right? And the ref making a decision at the time, right? But what the problem is that they're using it for all these, like, wanky little tiny decisions here or there like handballs it shouldn't be a handball and they're watching a slow motion replay and nothing looks right in slow motion right nothing looks normal in slow motion right it doesn't look like like oh his arms in an unnatural position in slow motion but you don't know is like the second before that he's just literally lunged to his left as hard as he can and that your arms just go like that when you move quickly in a direction right Mm-hmm. So it's uh, VAR is being done wrong, right? It, it, it's mm-hmm. being done in a bad way. But I think that this is what you would call, I would view this as teething problems. In the same way that the NFL has this huge history with slow motion replay, right? Mm-hmm. So there was. I didn't even know this, but I, uh, I, until I listened to, I heard it on a podcast, the um, around the NFL podcast, which is a great podcast, by the way. Thank you for putting me on to that. But there were they they mm-hmm. um, cancelled slow motion replay from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety one, right? Because they hated it. They start, mm-hmm. started it in the eighties, and it was a nightmare. And they kept getting their decision wrong. They got something like ten percent of the decisions wrong. And it only came back in 1996. And to this day, there's debate about what plays should be reviewable and, and whatnot. But like that took two decades of 
of controversy and fighting and people arguing against each other. And we're just in year, what, year two of VAR? So I feel mm-hmm. like it needs time. It, I think it'll, it'll get somewhere to some sort of equilibrium in the end. The problem, the, my main problem is now, it seems like referees ref in a different way because they know VAR exists. And that, that, exactly. is, that is the big problem, right? The ref, sh- the ref should re- ref just like he normally does. He or she, I should say, normally does. And then the VAR is just for these horrendous errors. But instead, something's marginal. They just go, oh, well, fuck it. I'll just, I'll not blow or because it's, it's VAR or whatever. And then the VAR has got this position where he's like, I know that rest's not blown because he thinks I'm going to sort this mess out. And that's when you get all these horrible decisions. Yeah. So my, I think personally, uh, I would say that I'm going to underreact to the the pain, the people that are really angry with VAR, like yourself, because I'm viewing it like a longer time frame. It, it's going to get there. That's my view. I think it will get there. I can I can see in my head a way in which VAR is not frustrating. What do you think? Can you though? Because even with the VAR decisions, like through the whole of the World Cup, there was huge debate about whether or not it was the correct decision after the review. So those ones which were, you know, marginal handballs, yeah. there was huge debate about whether or not that should in fact be a penalty. Yeah, what I'm saying is VAR, in the ideal world, VAR would not would not be calling any of those. Right. But the, the problem is that that makes sense if you're a sensible human being and talking about it in the abstract. But in reality... For your team, anything that would make a material difference on the outcome of the game starts to seem like a clear and obvious error. Some errors are more clear and obvious than others, and at some point you want the line to be drawn in your favour one way or the other. So from the referee's position, they're thinking, if they're being put in a position to look at something and decide, is this a penalty or is this not a penalty? or is this a red card or not a red card, they have to just try and get the right decision one way or another. And the point at which the game stops and they go, I think you just better have a quick look at this, they always then have too much time to think about it. Mm. And it loses something real. I agree with you. If it's like the referee should be asked, did you think that he handled it? And then he could go, yeah, I did, but because the guy's like a foot away from him, I was like, ah, it doesn't look like a penalty. But if you want to slow it down and show me 15 angles and say, oh, I think you should look at this because it's a handball, do you think it might be a penalty? Then he's going to give it as a penalty most mm. times. Well, I, so I don't have a problem with the theory, but I have no faith in the implementation. You brought up the NFL. The NFL still doesn't do action replay properly. It still doesn't. There's huge problems with the decisions mm. that are being made. Every season, there are like games. <laughs> That's true. We saw that on. Yeah, we saw that with that play in the in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, it's going to win. You've seen it quite a few times with like uh, they slow it down and then they try and figure out whether or not the guy like had control of the ball, and you know if you go 
frame by frame by frame. You can see it slightly bobbles before he falls. And what happened was it meant that you had about a three or four year period where no one could even decide whether or not a guy caught it. Mm. They're like, oh, was that a catch or was that not a catch? And you had these really complex rules trying to quantify what catching a ball meant. Where for anyone who didn't know anything about the NFL, if I threw a ball to you and you got it in your hands and it didn't fall out your hands and hit the ground, you'd go, yeah, that's a catch. So just like the slowing down and the review, the repeated review, meant that it just lost control of itself. And I think that that's what I'm saying is that my position was, this is obviously the right thing to do. And now I've thought about it more and I've looked at the way it's been implemented. And you've got to say, FIFA, not an organization that you trust to thrash through things and get to the the correct outcome. I just don't believe in the people who are doing it. And I don't believe that referees will do it properly. So it shouldn't be done. I I think that... So there's there's a it's hard for me to know what the problem is. Is the problem VAR, or just talking about handballs, or is the problem that we don't have good rules about handball, right? So there's no exactly. there's no way for VAR to work when the rules for handball make no sense, and that's the situation we've got at the moment with handballs, right? The rules don't make any sense, so. Well, you could never, in the rules, you could never quantify, like, it can't feasibly be a handball if it's kicked from a distance of greater than, you know, of less than four feet. Because then you would know that if you stood really close to the guy, you could spread yourself wide. You'd have a good chance of getting it hitting you on the hand. It wasn't allowed to be a handball. Mm. So you can never write that down. But in the time up till now when when football has been played, there's not been a problem with people not knowing what a handball was in Sunday league football. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. We knew if you deliberately handled it and we knew if they kicked it as hard as they could from like a foot away and it smacked into your hand and you didn't have time to move your arm out of the way, it wasn't a handball. But now we don't know what it is. I don't know what a handball is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've persuaded me or not. I think there are problems with hand. Totally I think there over. are problems with handball, but I think they're separate from VAR, right? I think that these are problems with the definition of a rule, whether or not we've got VAR. And then I agree with you. But, and then when you have VAR, and VAR is supposed to add this veneer of objectivity, but then it, all it does is in slow motion reveal the fact that we've got no fucking clue about this rule. Really, that's what VAR reveals. Like it puts it right in your face that these referees don't have a fucking clue. When it, you know, like someone. But if VAR slows things down and makes the game stop and makes you watch a replay twenty four times, and you're not satisfied with the outcome, then it's not good for the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. There was nothing frustrated me more than at the World Cup when there was it was like the game stopped, it went to VAR. And then the decision that came out was unsatisfactory. So, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? So here this is complete bullshit. Here, here's a weird thing, right? So I've never experienced frustration watching rugby. What's the difference? Why, what, what is it they've done in rugby right? Yeah. Well, how come rugby managed to officiate their game in a sensible way, like throughout, and football doesn't? Because there's action replay 
the review system used in cricket has been incorporated and is now central to the game. And I don't think anyone says it doesn't make the game better. You can see why, like things like Hawkeye and the cricket, the the cricket one, whatever that system's called, that the, the game's more constrained, right? Yeah. The events that can occur are more constrained. But rugby is so same for tennis, yeah, right? Tennis. Reviews for tennis have just been axiomatic; have just been absolutely the best yeah. thing. So what's the difference? No negatives to reviews in tennis. So I what's think. the difference? How come? But rugby seems different, right? Rugby seems more like the NFL or football. So how come rugby can get it right and football and NFL can't? Yeah, I don't understand. I genuinely I don't. don't rugby's just like much better at officiating the game. Mm. They're much slower. Rugby in general, mm. like the pace of the game is much slower. But you know what I mean. But even in the you know in the chaos of the chaos of a mall that's tumbling over the try line or something, you know they they get some. You're generally happy with it. The referees just make like good decisions in rugby union. When you watch the Six Nations and then you see the way that the officials and they talk you through it and you're like, mm. Nigel Owens goes, nah, I think that's probably okay. What do you think? Do you think that's a yellow? I think that's fine. And the guy's like, nah, it's probably fine. And they move <laughs> on and you're like, Jesus yeah. Christ, how did that, has yeah. that happened? It's so it's so refreshing. The fact that the the referees mic'd up is 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 really good. It's hilarious that they've got the, I call it the dick cam. You know the cam on the referee's yeah. belly. <laughs> you know, so you can see the scrum. Um, all that stuff is really good. I really mm. like that. Um, I don't I, I don't understand. I, part of it is that the players are different, right? The players yeah. just. They're not as schemy, right? They're not as schemy as they are in other sports. No, they say sorry, right? sir, and then they back away. They say sorry, sir, and then they and then they, yeah. There's no. It's not like football. It's not like Delhi Alley, right? There's no one like Delhi Alley in rugby, right? No, Chris Aston maybe. Who just, uh, you know, people who just like they they try and get the ref use the advantage. To in an unsportsmanlike way, use the advantage, like get the referee to make decisions that would give their team an advantage, but they do it in like a schemey way. I hate that. That's what's so annoying about football. That's why when I go to the park and play football with Felix, Fo- Felix thinks football is running, kicking the ball, and falling over. And I've had to tell him now, I managed to get through. There's football on TV, and then there's football in real life. And I'm trying to separate them in his brain because for ages he thought football was just running along, kicking a ball, and then falling really? over, regardless of whether anyone's near you. Yeah, yeah, he would just dive. He would just dive, and then roll around because that's what he's seen on wow, TV. Really? He's seen them just falling over and then rolling around. Yeah, it's scary. Right? I actually remember Sean Deitch giving an interview say about, and he was like, "We've got to stop this diving thing. This my kids do it all the time." And I was like, "Oh, shut up, Sean Deitch." Who cares about your kids? And then, like six months later, my kids doing it, and I was like, "Oh, Sean Dyche, you're definitely right. It's really horrible." That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, there's some things that VAR. Let's go back to VAR. There's some things that it can get right. It, it can do better. You know, I think one thing the fans in the stadium should see what's happening. Right, mm-hmm. fans shouldn't have less information in the stadium. Mm-hmm than we do at home on our sofa. That seems weird, right? And one thing that's annoyed me is like if VAR VAR should be universal in a competition, right? If it's in one of the games in the league or the cup, it should be at all of them, 
right? And if that's not possible, if that's not possible, then no VAR in the whole competition, right? So you've got to introduce this thing with minimum controversy, and they've just not done it in the way, you know, it should just be like that guy's punched that guy in the jaw, right? He gets a red, right? It, it should be stuff like that. Yeah, you should be looking at the number of VAR uh, referrals that happen in a game to be like less than 1.5 as an average over the season. The only one that I think is working is offside. Yeah. Right, and I'm glad that's there. I'm glad right, like Spurs yeah. in the semi-final. Yeah. So when, maybe they um, need to change. Yeah, when they need to change it, so it's like, you know, they only do offsides, red cards, something like that. I don't know. You know, stop doing these weird handballs. That seems to be the main one. That's the one that I'm always like, what the hell are you talking about? Stop doing it for a, the teeniest tug of a shirt in the penalty box, right? You know? Yeah. Or like, you it. know, is there a small amount of contact and they like zoom in and they zoom in and they slow down and you can see that the guy's like brushed his foot. And I just, right. I just want to like have... I don't. I just. If I think if you're not going to get it right, it's better just to have the like the referee on the field be the one who got it wrong. Because I think, yeah, ultimately, that's what I think. What we're looking at is for some sense of scientific objectivity. Like there is an objective right answer, and let's get it, and that's better. But now that I don't believe that they will, I would rather have the error be one human in a moment. Hmm. As opposed to a team of humans being gobes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any good reason to think that they'll change it other than the fact that everyone seems unhappy. So players seem unhappy, managers, fans, everyone seems unhappy. But that doesn't seem to stop them via FIFA from doing whatever the fuck they want anyway, does it? Okay, so uh, the... Shakes have decided to tell FIFA that you need to become the new president. So Gianni Infantino has been iced and you have been installed unanimously as the new president of FIFA. You step up to the podium and the first thing that you have to comment on is whether or not you continue with VAR. What would you say? Oh, I would say yes. Okay. But, but I would roll back how it can be used massively, right? I would say, all right, you've got VARs for these offenses and this, like, and offside or something along those lines, right? I would remove it for, for example, you know, penalty decisions. I would remove it for that. So it can only be used for offsides? It'd be offsides or red cards or, um, What's a red you know, card? or, you know, someone drop kicks someone. So, you know, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, red card. Unsportsmanlike con- conduct, you've been, someone spits in someone's face or, you know, like that sort of stuff. So not a red card where it's like the guy's foot's off the ground and his studs go into the guy's shin. Uh, I, I really think that in that situation, don't you think the referee on the, if it's blatant, the referee on the field should see it, right? Yeah, I you think know, so. like maybe you could have something like, yeah, something like did the ref was the referee able to see the tackle, right? And if the referee just says like, you know, there was a body in the way, I couldn't see the tackle, VAR, 
I'm happy with that. Then if the referee couldn't see it, so you know, there's a ways of making it less controversial. But it all has to be open as well. You have to when we're watching rugby, we know exactly what's happening. We know what the ref's thinking. The ref says exactly why he's going to the uh TV official. And you know, that's what we need in football as well. Instead of just what they do in rugby is like, the referee Sometimes you don't know what it's for. Like the the game continues in rugby and the referee goes as they're like running about, he goes like, Oh Johnny, can you have a look and see whether or not there was foul play there? Yeah. Or can you see whether or not he tackled him off his feet? And yeah. the video ref is like, yeah, yeah, you just carry on. And he has a quick look and then he goes, do you know what? I think it was probably fine. And then they just move on. Yeah, yeah uh, that that's the thing. It, I think it's got these teething. I can, I can, that's what I mean. I can see in my head ways in which it would be less shit. I don't know if it'll ever be perfect, mm. but I can see a way of getting there good enough, you know, getting to good enough. Yeah. Did you hear? I heard this thing in the in the eighties. There was this call, this really controversial call in the eighties in the NFL, where it was a touchdown given on the field, and it went to the review, and the um, <laughs> the uh, TV official said pass incomplete, and the referee on the field heard pass is complete and gave a touchdown, <laughs> and that team won by really? and that team won by exactly one touchdown. Wow! Yeah, no, so it was a really that. controversial thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After that, pass incom- yeah. So they changed it after that to be confirmed or reversed, which you can't really mess up. But yeah, I think you know there's no. there are ways of making it better. So so we'll see. Time will tell what happens with VAR. I agree with you. It's frustrating at the moment. I I just really hope it, they can do something. But it, I maybe it will never get there. Maybe what I'm thinking of is is just like too much of a culture change for the whole sport, really. Well, maybe we can review this in a year's time. Yeah, let's do that. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. All right. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to introduce our next segment, Andrew? Okay, what is it? (laughs) Then I'll introduce it. Tell me. Starting from scratch. Starting from scratch. Are we doing that next? Okay, because we we could have done sport and not sport. Okay. Starting from... Yeah, so we've got a new section... It's called, well, it's just kind of a one-off, isn't it? It's called. It's a one-off. We're we're calling it starting from scratch, and it's all about we're trying to get at what makes a fan pick the team that they pick when they are new to a sport, and what are the ways in which you can make that decision? What are you looking for in a team? And then maybe we'll talk about some sports or so we don't know or sports that we do know and try and think about what sort of teams fit our blueprint. So I've got a list of kind of of things that I would look for. And it'd be interesting to compare that to the teams I've actually picked in, in the sports I follow. Um, and I think you've done yeah. something similar. So yeah, yeah, let's go for it. So why, I've got kind of a list of things. Do you want to go like one each? Like you say one, I'll say one kind of through like kind of what you're looking for. That's a nice way to do it, I think. Uh-huh. All right. You go first. Yep, yep. You go okay. first. What's the first thing? Right. So you want one of the – so I've written down five things that I think are important for me in my new team. I should right. say that when we came up with this idea, it was also just after um, Arsenal ca- collapsed at the end of the last season. Mm-hmm. And we were questioning just our happiness in general. Yes. Um 
But also, I think it was because, like, Man City had won the quadruple or whatever they won, and there was, like, hundreds of millions of pounds flying around. And you're thinking, God, if we were just going to, like, start from scratch and you wanted to pick a team now, which team would you choose? Mm. So the first thing that I wrote down in my... Right, I'm choosing a a new team. Mm -hmm. I'm fan agnostic. First thing I want is I want them to be a team that develops youth. That's so funny. That's my number one. That's top of my list as well. Really? Yeah. So tell me, say why. I think that um, supporting a team where players are imported at a peak of power has enjoyment at a level, but supporting a player through their growth and watching their potential translate into reality and also seeing them grow up means that you have uh, like synergy with them, that you believe in them, that you think that they have the values of the place and the club and the team and the aspirations that you have, even if that's not true. But I think it often is true. Mm. It makes you want them to do well for reasons beyond just the fact that it contributes to your team winning a game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. I, I, I think it, it's kind of like, you know, how, my favorite sort of fantasy books are ones where, you know, the main character is this little country bumpkin noob person, right? And then you follow them as they learn things and then eventually they become like the most powerful sorcerer that ever lived. Right. And there are all these awesome milestones along the way. Right. And then that's what it's like kind of a similar satisfaction that you get when you see a teenager and their first appearance in preseason, maybe right. Like Hector Bellerin, I fucking love because we saw his first appearance at the Emirates cup yeah, and he was bombing up and down the right wing, right in front of us. And their first goal and then their first good performance in a big game and then their general, like you say, their growth into a fully formed player and you got to watch it the whole way. And it just seems like... And the highs and lows. Highs and lows. Like with Bellerin, I remember him having this like absolutely horrible time, I think. I think it was against Dortmund in the Champions League and he just got torched and and he looked so out of his depth and then like rebounds and grows into one of the best players in the world it's like yeah it's great yeah it's much better i i I prefer that like you say to you know the real madrids and the chelsea's and the man cities of this world you know who just buy complete players you know it's just less satisfying yeah yeah that's interesting Okay. okay give me one of yours then okay my one underneath that so number two for me was um i put a creative and skillful use of resources. And I think what I was trying to get to there is like, I think it's kind of, it's kind of nothing more boring than Man City and Chelsea, really. You know, like just having all the money and just buying, it's like playing a computer game with cheat codes is not satisfying, right? It's the same thing, right? You, You want to, use you want to play the game in a creative and skillful way that demonstrates that you're that you have some sort of ability over and above just having money right which is kind of 
it's, I don't really get much satisfaction out of that, right? You know, and and everyone likes kind of I an think underdog. That and this, the the Man City dominance just felt so flat to so many people in a way that I've never seen before. Totally, I've never seen so much, uh, such a dispassionate viewing of what was a very exciting title race and one of the most like successful teams in the history of the Premier League in terms of basically every metric, in terms of how many points they got, how many goals they scored, how many goals they conceded. They were one of the most dominant teams ever. And I, I don't think anyone had any engagement with their scalar talent or ability no. at any level. Yeah. People say like, there oh, was... but Guardiola's made them better. And I'm like, yeah, but they they bought Guardiola, right? Yeah. You know, he's part of it. He He's the money that you can get the best manager in the world when you're the richest club. Yeah. You know, it's it's just not satisfying. So so that's something I would look for. You know, someone, I, I really don't think I could enjoy a team that just has money. It's so boring. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't want a team that's got no money. Well, we can maybe or talk about you? that. We can maybe talk about it. Because part of me is like, I, I almost put on my list, not in a top flight. Yeah. I almost put, because there's something more, what's the word? I don't think innocence is the right word, but you know, there's something more wholesome about lower league competition, right? There's more level more playing, genuine. more genuine, a level playing field. And, you know, I don't know. It just, it doesn't have the mania of the top flight either. You know, you just get to enjoy your team, yeah. enjoy when they win. You don't like when they lose, but yeah, you know, and there's nothing about being the best team in the world. You know, I don't know. I, I didn't put it on my list in the end, but I, I did think about it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So what's next on your list? Okay. Next on my list is the significantly less, uh, hoity-toity but nevertheless important i think it's important that your team has a good kit oh the way they look yeah i think that the kit that they wear and that you may then wear is important for sure that is important that's not on mine did you see arsenal playing in the yellow on red did you see that? The bruised banana. Yeah. No, no. The the one in the preseason they've been playing where the red strip, but instead of white writing, it's yellow writing. Have you seen? Oh. It's really, really hard to look at. Really hard. Oh no, that's that's terrible. It's but really the bad. the new Arsenal away kit, everyone's really excited about. Yeah. yeah. No, these things matter. These things matter. I I agree. Yeah. No, I don't know how much. I would put that as a as a nice to have after I've made a decision or something. You know, I don't know how much it would make yeah, me maybe. think about it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. My, what have you got then? Uh, the existing fan base cannot be complete cunts. That's also on my list, right? And 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 there are. Let me be clear, right? There are always knob ends in every fan base, right? But I'm talking about the fan base as a whole. Right, if they have like country about them as a whole, like Real Madrid yeah. or Chelsea, then why would I want to become associated with a fan base like that? That's my view. You know, there has to be yeah. 
some decency to the fans, you know? I think you want uh, a fan base which is um, well-renowned for being quite good. Yeah. Like, not being nasty. And But I think the most important thing for me with this is actually what their Reddit and Twitter presence is like. Because mm. for us, we spend quite a lot of our time engaging with fan bases on internet mediums mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And some fan bases have really toxic interaction with themselves and with others. And I wouldn't want to be part of that. What do you think Arsenal are like on that? I'm interested. What do you think for Arsenal fans? I think that... I think Arsenal are, as a whole, fine. I think their fan base, is, as an overall, is fine. They've obviously got the Arsenal TV element which is more comedic than convincing i would have said yeah i agree yeah um and on twitter i don't think they're as bad as any of the other true top teams apart from maybe spurs i think spurs have got a pretty decent fan base as well i don't think that they've got as nice a fan base as some of the like um less high up teams but I think that they're probably not as bad as they're definitely not as bad as Chelsea or Man United or like maybe it's because we don't see it we don't see it but sometimes I think foreign teams have nice like Borussia Dortmund is one I don't know why I just think that no Dortmund for sure they've got passionate fans but they're not knobs you know like and that's exactly what you want um so I've put down they need to be on TV fairly regularly because unless I decide to pick Swansea as my team, then I can't go and see their games. So for me right. to stay engaged with the team, I want to be able to watch them. So that means that they need to be at a certain level. On TV yeah. doesn't mean that they have to be on UK terrestrial TV, but they have to be on a form of video medium that I can watch illegally on the internet at least. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's really important, actually. And does it have to be live? It has to be live, right? I prefer watching games live if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that makes complete sense to me. And then that it's makes quite it a harder. a one. Yeah, so when I was talking about lower leagues, I was kind of imagining myself taking Felix down yeah. the road. You know, like up the road, right. we're, we're here. I'm, I'm right now. I'm about ten minutes walk. Um, ten minutes walk from Firhill, right? Yeah. You know, wander up Firhill, pay what fifteen quid or whatever, and then have a game of football in a family friendly environment where you don't really, you know, as your dad delightfully puts it, watch some shitey football, and then yeah. go home. You know. Yeah. And it's a nice day out. And that's what I used to do with my dad. You know, my dad and I had season tickets at Hearts for years and years. And we went to all the home games. But that yeah. was a little bit pre-Sky Sports, you know, football yeah. on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that and kind of leads me to my, That leads me to my, my next one, actually, kind of. Yep. So I've put this down, kind of vague, but I've put down the ownership model of the club. Oh, that was uh, on my list, and I scratched it out in favor of another one. Oh, did you? Okay, so so yeah. let me try and explain this one. So uh, is there like a genuine 
community ownership component to how the club is run. And this is incredibly rare in English football, but in other yeah. leagues like Bundesliga have the 50 plus one rule. And yeah. in Spain, there's the Socios, the Real Madrid and Barcelona club, fan-owned clubs. And this seems to me more important now in the era of like maximization of revenue from media, right? And we've got now we've got Friday night football, Monday night football, changing games at the last minute for TV, and the global brand of the club is more important than the people who go to the games. And then yeah. there's everyone asking the question, you know, am I a fan or am I a customer of a business? Right. Yeah. And I think if you if it's going more and more towards customer of a business and less and less I'm a fan of a club. And yeah. and that to me, it's really rare in English football, but I don't know how it is in other sports, but that that would be great to be part of a club where you're part of the ownership model of the club. No, I agree. I think that's a really important one. That I mean, that was on my list and I scratched it out. And I scratched it out in favour of a good product. So for me, that was just me trying to rule out... It was like saying that I want to support a team that tries to play good football and rule out all of the ones that are like Stoke and Burnley because I don't I want to watch a team that plays rubbish football. Right. Yeah, I've put... Yeah, that's probably what I was trying to put when I put down my next one was the club should have an identity and a philosophy that is more than the current players or manager and use something unique to the club that others don't have. But what in my mind I was envisaging was, i.e. the philosophy is we are a club that plays good football. We try and play football. Yeah, because, you know, Stoke or Burnley have got club philosophy. They've got an identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. That's not sufficient. Yeah, I agree with you. just snapping people. Right. So, yeah. That's the end of Is my that list. Your list? That of- yeah. Oh, did we write just completely independently write lists of the same length? We did. That's quite impressive. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. So it's all worked out. Yeah. But but I I mean part of me I read my list here right. Yeah. And I wondered if at the end of it I should be a Spurs fan. Yeah. Which was like a horrible thing for an Arsenal fan to to say. Yeah, I've thought but that too. You know too. what I mean? Like development. Development of young players, creative and skillful use of resources. Fans can't be complete cunts. Forget about the ownership model of the club. No Premier League team has a good ownership model. Uh, I guess they have less of an identity. It's growing with with Pochettino. Yeah. Maybe their their identity has been the almost team, and they still are the almost team. Yeah, it's choky, uh, isn't it? Yeah, but but they're the. The way they play football, they've got an identity under Pochettino, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, when you so, started I mean, supporting in another, Arsenal, in life. their ownership model was the model that you wanted. Yeah, Al- it was better then. Albeit the f- closer, there was the sort of lingering, um, there was the foreboding future presence that we now have of the Cronkies, and there was Uzumanov, but there was also like a fan ownership element and previous owners and an AGM and fan engagement and ownership of the club then. So that's all gone now for yeah. Arsenal. Completely gone. And that's a shame. 
and Levy doesn't seem like the owner that you want to get behind because, you know, if you said, no. actually, it turns out he was the head of a like secret organization and James Bond had to deal with them, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. The only thing I would say about not becoming a Spurs fan just now is that their talismanic captain and striker, local boy who is going to be their captain, you would think, for the next 10 years is one of the uh-huh. biggest mouth breathers I've ever seen. <laughs> I knew what you were going to say before you <laughs> got you know, I was going to say that. I was like, te- like he's teeing himself up for mouth breather here. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dirty mouth breather. That's what you're always saying. <laughs> time he's on. It's... Anytime we're watching and uh, you always send me a text. <laughs> Anytime he's on TV, I get a text from you. Mouth breather. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a fucking mouth breather, though. Yeah. So, so I had an interesting <laughs> thing for you. So, <laughs> so let's let's go. Like, I think it's a bit. Of, we've both done amazingly to even admit on uh, live on podcast uh, to that we would maybe support a Spurs. But um, let's switch it to the NFL. Yeah. You know more than me. Yeah. You tell me from my list what sort of clubs should I be thinking of? What? Sorry franchises so wow that's um what was that noise was that the cat no that was me uh, pinging (laughs) pinging my notebook uh thing as i picked it up and took it apart um so give me your list very quickly and let me write it down uh development of young players yeah uh creative and skillful use of resources everyone in the nfl has to do that because of the equalization fans can't be complete cunts uh, the ownership model of the club. I don't know if that exists. No, in the that's NFL. an incredibly um, important element in the NFL. An identity and a philosophy that is more than the current players or manager and something unique that other clubs don't have. Oh, That's my list. The team that I would say that you should support based on your list would be the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts. Right. The Indianapolis in Colts have got a much better owner. They've got an elite quarterback in Andrew Luck. They've not been very good for quite a few uh, years now. They, Andrew Luck's a guy. Andrew Luck's a guy who everyone's like his shoulder. Is yeah, his shoulder he the same? Hurt his shoulder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. They use the resources really skillfully. They they just got a new uh, general manager called Ballard. Um, and so his real focus is on draft and develop. So not signing other players, drafting our own players, developing them into like Indianapolis Colts guys, then giving them their second contract. That would be the team I would say you should support. All right. So let's let's do the next se- segment. Right, La- the last segment. We've done a, di- a different show. We've gone off uh, off script, haven't we? We've gone off. We've done beast. a great underreaction. Yeah, gone off beast. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good one to start yeah, the, with. So, so I think we're going to do no trope of the week this week, are we? No, no trope. No. So this is in place of trope of the week. Our last segment today, which is sport or not sport. I think it needed uh, like a, a little name? bit more of a <laughs> like game show-esque introduction. Like, welcome to another edition of... Sport or not a sport? Diddly, 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 diddly. Did you just do the who wants to be a millionaire 
That's what you did there a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Dum dum dum. Oh, don't make me think about that guy, Chris Tarrant. Oh, I haven't thought about him in ten years. Oh no. It's okay because he's been replaced by Jeremy Clarkson. So. <laughs> right. So um, that we we this came out of a WhatsApp conversation, didn't it? Basically, what counts as a sport? Yeah. And I think it I think it came out because we were both enjoying watching the Great British Menu. And talking about it in ways not dissimilar to how we talk about sport, like picking our favourites and criticising the ones we don't like and talking about what counts as a good philosophy of cooking, if you want to put it that way. Uh, <laughs> kind of weird thing. And I said, I wish Great British Menu was a, like cooking was a sport and we could put it on the on the podcast and talk about Great British Menu. Um so anyway, this segment is uh, sport or not sport. We're going to try and get to the bottom of what counts as a sport. And I've got a big long list here, Callum. And I'm going to fire yeah. through my list first. And have you got a list? No. Okay, right. Well, so here, here, I'm just going to fire some at you. And you just tell me if it's a sport or not a sport. And we'll stop whenever we feel like. All right. Yeah. Number one, uh, snooker. <laughs> Started with quite a hard one. Uh, yep. I thought snooker you said is yes. a sport. I thought yeah. you'd say yes. I agree. Darts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's not as, yes. Uh, you see, I, yeah. I don't know why, but snooker, I think yes. And darts, I think no. Yeah. But I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you for why. Um, You're going to turn into one of those dicks that's like, it's not a ball, it's a pastime. It's a pub game, but so snooker. It's, so. it's a parlor game. <laughs> it's parlor it. games aren't sports. Snooker's a sport, though. The thing is, starts happen. The darts on TV. It's happening in a bar. That's the thing. Yeah. The track the tracks anyway. Right. Uh, bowls. Uh, oh, I was literally, I was writing a list down whilst you were giving me the options, and the uh-huh. top one I've put down is lawn bowls. That's what I mean, lawn bowls, yeah. So, yes. I agree. Now, uh, let me try and pronounce this one. Uh, Bulls. No. You know that little French, you know that French game? Yeah, <laughs> I know what Bull is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is that not? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, nah, that's just uh, not a sport. <laughs> well, well, why? That's, it's not. Tell you what that is, mate. That's a pastime. <laughs> That's a pastime. You know, I deliberately. I've paired you. I've kind of paired things up. But I'm like, I'm trying to get out what the difference is. I mean, maybe it's just that I've never seen it on TV, and people seriously competing. I've only ever seen it like, you know, maybe it'll become an Olympic sport, and then it'll go the way of ping pong. You know, no one thought ping pong was anything until it became an Olympic sport. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, sailing. Yes. Canoeing. Yes. Body surfing. I gradually got le- less equipment involved in the <laughs> in those three. Body surfing. Yeah, you know what that is. Is that where you just like lie down flat on a <laughs> surfboard and then? No, you don't even have a surfboard. <laughs> you just try and catch a wave with your body. <laughs> 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 that's that's not a sport. I don't well, know what I, it is. I, I refer you to the Wikipedia page for body surfing, 
which uh, let me just Google it now. Body surfing is the art and sport of riding a wave without the assistance of any buoyant device, such as a surfboard or bodyboard. So people just try and like plank on top of a wave. (laughs) Yeah. Like a seal. Just go full (laughs) plank. They often have they often have um, flippers on. You need flippers to kind of get the speed up, or uh, or like they try and have you know you can get these gloves for your hands that kind of like webbed gloves, right? And that helps you push down on the water and get your chest out of the water a little bit. Anyway, uh, Wikipedia okay. Wikipedia the is the arbiter of what's true, and it says it's the art and sport of body surfing. Well. So. I'll just go and, I'll go and change it then. <laughs> um, okay, uh, orienteering. No, not a sport. Really? Not a sport. But people do, it and they, you know they're running. You but know, people huge do distances. It. Doesn't yeah, running huge distances also not right. a sport. So ultramarathons. Uh. I mean that's surely a sport. <laughs> sport. I mean not to interrupt, not to interrupt you there. If a marathon's a fucking sport, then <laughs> but that's what my brain was doing was going marathons a sport. Yeah, ultra. But you know, if you decide to do a sport and then just do the sport more and more, is there a point yeah. at which what you're doing becomes not the sport but just you know stupid? Well, that's what. So orienteering is like an ultra marathon with where you with navigation, right? I mean, get... I don't think it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. What, about what were you hiking? doing at the weekend, John? Oh yeah, no, I was I uh, I was a bit like ultra marathoning. Oh really? <laughs> in what sense? I went orienteering. What I mean is, in in the in the professional in the professional like in the co- orienteering competitions, it's basically like you have to find your way across this landscape. Go here, 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 and they do a huge distance and they run it. You know, it's. It is. It's like it's doing a marathon, but you've got a, you've got to think about which way to go. It's like choosing your own marathon. I don't know. Uh, All right, let's move on. Counter Strike. Counter Strike, as in the computer game. Yeah. Not a sport. I thought you'd say that. So here's my counter argument. Right, it, it seems to me that, that right there's an objective. Is this being as a is this serving as a proxy for all esports? Kind of, kind right. of. So it's got, you know, it's competitive. You're competing. It requires yeah. skill, fast reactions, hand-eye coordination, teamwork. Yeah, it's got yeah. all the elements of sport. But it doesn't have any levels of physical exertion. What about snooker? But we did say that we said that darts does. Yeah. Snooker does require, you know, yeah, more no, physical yeah. exertion than you think. I don't know if it's... It, it, you can play snooker all day, right? Yeah, that's true. So, so do you think that any form, any form of competitive gaming is sport? Well, that's the problem. I don't really think so. Here's my next one. World of Warcraft. Well, that's what I was about to ask you. <laughs> yeah, do, you think, was... do you think that uh, like arena battles in World of Warcraft, which is like twos on twos, mm. are sport? No. So no. Why not? 
Yeah, it's just me, exactly the same uh, category. It's exactly all exactly the same things that you just said for Counter Strike in yeah. a different form. Yeah. So you're like, as long as what you're doing is all the things I said, but also you're clicking and shooting virtual figures, then it counts as a sport. But if what you're doing is clicking a button which causes another virtual figure to die, but not through the mechanism of shooting them, mm-hmm. then it's not a sport. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I actually think I actually think neither of them are sports, but if one of them was closer to being a sport, it would be Counter Strike, and I don't know why. It just makes no sense. No, to me. I agree too. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's yeah. Maybe for World of Warcraft, maybe it's that there's more strategy, but strategy is. Do you know the difference with those sorts of things though? Are that in anything which is um, numbers based, mm. like uh, World of Warcraft or any role playing game would be, you have a chance as part of the elements. So you'll have criticals where Counter-Strike you don't. If you shoot them in the arm, it causes 37 damage. If you shoot them in the head, it causes 110 damage. Right. Like It is way more fixed in that sense because right. you can't have random variables in sport. Mm. Right. It has to be the to, application I mean, you can have some random variables, but you can't have it built into the game that right. sometimes when a player clicks a button it creates double the value as when a player does exactly the same thing on yeah. another screen yeah that's true that i hadn't thought about that yeah you can't have a you know you hit triple you hit triple 20 in darts and sometimes it, it's worth 120 yeah right? just by random chance yeah okay there you go we explained that one through that was good, that's well good. Done, all right i've got a few more just a few more yeah uh, i've written a list down as well oh have you gymnastics uh, definitely sport. Juggling. Not a sport. Is that because it's... What about juggling competitions? Well, there's no competitive element, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, just <laughs> chucking stuff up in there and catching it is not a sport. <laughs> uh, just, just adding competition to anything that you do doesn't make it a sport automatically. So why is gymnastics a sport then? Because... You, know, you, do, you do a gymnastics routine and then you get some arbitrary judging on the skill and, and brilliance of your routine. You do a juggling routine and you get some arbitrary judges giving you some numbers that judge the skill and creativity of your juggling routine. So I think that you did, but you agreed with my answers to those two, didn't you? Yeah, it's <laughs> completely. I just don't know why... Juggling is yeah, I don't know. Okay, let's go through my list and then we'll we'll figure out what a sport is and then people will be able to to know. Okay, go. So for have it. you finished your list? Yep. Okay, so I had lawn bowls on mine as well. What did you say for lawn bowls? I think sport it's a or sport. not a sport. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Curling. Sport. One hundred percent. Scotland got a gold medal. It's got to be a sport. Yeah. That's actually going to be a key criteria, isn't it? Or Scotland good at it. That's why snooker's a sport. That's why darts is a sport. Um, synchronized swimming. You've at a certain level, how much of it, if it's in the Olympics, by definition, is a sport? You can't do in the Olympics as a sport because I don't, why not? I don't agree with. Well, you don't because agree otherwise, yet. we'd have an unfruitful discussion. <sighs> If it, right, if it wasn't in the Olympics, 
I would say hell fucking no, it's not a sport. Okay, that's a no then. Because we're let's say that we're going to start the Olympic Committee from scratch. And we need yeah. to decide what sports are. That's yeah, our remit I, here. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, then that's a negative on on the synchronized swimming. Synchronized swimming, not a sport. Yeah. yeah. Uh, diving. Now this is difficult because now if I rule out diving, then I, on principle, have to rule out other things that I wouldn't want to rule out. You know, like other thing parts of gymnastics. I think diving's a sport. Uh, ten pin bowling. <laughs> now you can be a professional. You're really struggling with mine. <laughs> you can be a professional ten pin bowling player, which I think makes it a sport. I think. Okay. I think it's a sport. Yeah. Uh, dance. No, that's not a sport. Not a sport. No. Okay. Uh, ping pong. <laughs> I think we already talked about how the fact it got into the Olympics. I know, but you didn't say anything <laughs> about it. Though. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be my favourite sport, but I think I'd call it a sport. Is See, it... I think ping pong is no question a sport. Yeah. I don't think it's a difficult one. I think ping pong is obviously a sport. Yeah, I think it's um, a Geocaching. <laughs> Wait, what's that? It's just basically orienteering. <laughs> okay. I w- you Do you know, know what we, geocaching is? I, you, I think orienteering is a sport. I think competitive orienteering is a sport. You think orienteering is a sport? Yeah, you got I do. I do. Right. Uh, softball? Oh, is the next one going to be rounders? No, their softball slash rounders is the question. Is rounders a sport? Uh, at what point is it just a game? Uh, I guess, I guess it, it has to be a sport, even if it's... You think that's a sport? Okay, rounders, but the bat is a tennis racket. That's not a fucking support. <laughs> That's too easy. So it has to it has to be a, a like lightweight baseball bat stuff yeah, for yeah. it to be a sport. Okay. Yeah. Um netball. That's a sport. For I sure. Just, I think it's obviously a sport. I just wanted to put in to point out that I think netball's shit. Okay, any uh, competitive card game, e.g. bridge? No, that's not sport. Poker, okay. poker's not um, a sport. You know, no. Okay. Uh, I couldn't remember what it's actually called, so I've put down ice dancing. You know what the closest card game to a sport would be? is spit. You know spit. that? Spit. Yeah. You know that game? No. All right. Well, you have to be fast. No. You have to track lots of things and be fast with your hands. So I would. So is it just like snap? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a more complicated snap. Yeah, in a sense. So is snap a sport? Uh, snap might be too simple. You know, like one take, <laughs> taking one step is not is not running, but running is a sport. Is running a sport? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, ice dancing, whatever that's actually called. What's it called? Figure skating. <laughs> so you think... 
I think figure skating. That's it, not ice dancing. <laughs> they're quite different. <laughs> uh, figure skating. Okay, figure skating. I don't think that's a sport. Do you think that's a sport? No. Do you? Don't know. I don't think it okay, is. Okay, and the last one I've got is clay pigeon shooting. Yeah, I think I can't take. I can't say darts is a sport, and that's not. I think that's a sport. Okay. Yeah. So what have we learned from that? Uh, the things that were clear were, you know, there has to be some competitive element. Uh, yeah. Um, it seemed to be when it blurred into like a game, you know, softball. Rounders is a game, right? No. Yeah. Like frisbee is a game. Ultimate frisbee. That's a sport. Right. So it's something about having a clear objective. I don't know. You know, like a purpose that you're trying so, but to you said You said diving is a sport. Yeah. Yeah. These ones are difficult, right? So sport doesn't have to involve a team. No. It, it doesn't have to involve any real physical exertion. No. Because we've said that darts and lawn bowls are sports. Yeah. It doesn't have to... So It has to have a competitive element. Yeah. Like body surfing. Yeah. Body surfing's not a not sport. Not a sport. Because it's not got a proper competitive element. So does it have to be directly competitive? Well, that's the so thing, So do we right? think that, you know, because that's where the things with, like, figure skating yeah. and where you do something and it's not directly against someone else. Yeah, and that, yeah, it's, you just, you just like, try they to... go and do a dance and then they say, who's done the best dance? Yeah, that's what's hard. That's why figure skating is hard and, uh, yeah. Dancing, but then dancing. So why is dance competitions? I wouldn't call sport. So why is diving a sport? Because it reminds me of gymnastics, but maybe gymnastics shouldn't be a sport. But it seems intuitive to me. But that... gymnastics, <laughs> gymnastics feels like a sport, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really does. You know, you know when someone's like nailed it that they're the best, right? Yeah. And it's the same in figure skating, but it's the same in dancing. I don't know, man. Yeah, like, go and watch Torval and Dean and tell me that's not a fucking <laughs> one of the greatest sporting moments in history. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know what this is, actually? We have, we have hit upon a deep philosophical point. And uh, yeah. I would like to take this podcast into the highbrow echelons now callum and uh i thought that was where we've been for the whole time <laughs> is that where we've been the whole time well this is i felt like i've been in there we, we've got no hope of defining sport and this was actually already pointed out by ludwig wittgenstein he is uh he was a philosopher at cambridge and he had this famous sort of argument it's kind of hard to put in succinctly but i put it as language is use that's what he said so i didn't put it like that he said that <laughs> language is use and that what does the word mean it means whatever we use it for 
and he used the criteria for de- defining a game, and he get, just basically just played the game we've just played there, and said we can't we can't define what a game is. So any list of criteria for what it counts will be insufficient. So a sport is just what it's whatever we use it for, and there's no no deeper meaning beyond that. So there you go. A sport is whatever feels like a sport. Yep, exactly. And you don't have to. We don't have to discover now we don't have the pressure of discovering the necessary and sufficient conditions of whatever constitutes a sport yeah so there you go no i like that. we, we were secretly yeah. we were secretly doing philosophy very secretly right we need to do our predictions quickly before we close the episode okay so what's coming up you won't have one ready nope so um i am gonna make a prediction mm-hmm um, my prediction is that Owen Morgan, the captain of the English team, is going to retire from international cricket in the next two to three weeks. And we'll decide that he's, my body's broken and I need to move on. Right. And I think that he will have realized that actually he's been slightly shy for a reasonable amount of the last two years and that maybe the baton has to be passed as his body is breaking down um, and it's never ever going to get better than the moment that he had. I might predict something about golf. There's golf going on. Um, Yeah. Okay, I'm, it will have concluded by the time the podcast comes out, but that's fine. All right, I'm going to make a long prediction here. Yeah, Rory McIlroy will not win a major in the next three years. Just got to got to say it's uh, more likely than more likely than not. I think that the bolder prediction to make is Rory McIlroy will never win another major ever, ever. Ever, ever. Yeah, no, that's a good one. But um, I wanted to put a time limit on it because we'll, well. Well, yeah, when we're doing episode 224 of The Great Underreaction, we can be like, yeah, see, I'll tell you, you didn't. Hey, I'll put it in my Google. Happy 50th, by the way, Andy. Let me put it in the Google calendar for 2049, you know. Yeah. I know golfers have quite long careers as well. they They really do. They really do. And no, I think that your McElroy prediction is good. I think the um you know, the day of McElroy as the golden boy just hasn't it just he was the like the future of golf and had the nicest looking swing and he was just amazing and then he did win after he'd, you know, completely choked it. He was miles up yeah. going into the final round of the Masters and massively choked it. And then he did manage to get the win, and then he won a couple more, and then he uh, got engaged to that Danish tennis player, uh, Caroline Wozniacki, mm. and then they got unengaged, and then like everything just went, just like the path of Rory McIlroy just didn't quite materialize into what it was supposed to be. Well, I mean, how, how, this is part of. Golf, right? Golf is. I'm not blaming Wozn- Wozniacki to be fair. No, no, but, but, but golf seems to be a sport that's really 
hard to dominate. Tiger Woods did it, right? But it yeah. just seems hard to dominate. You know? It is one of the sports where when a tournament begins, the number of people who can genuinely win it is quite high. Yeah. Relative to the field, and like you know, like when the World Cup starts, most of the participants don't have the capability of winning it. Yeah, but golf, they definitely do. That's the thing, and I don't know if an interesting question. Do you think Jordan Spieth is going to win another major? Yeah, for sure. Right, but Spieth have way more faith in Jordan Spieth's ability to win another major than Rory McIlroy's. Right. But they're kind of similar in the sense of, yeah, you know, their trajectory. Yeah. Spieth, Spieth yeah. hasn't had as long of the downhill on the other side of success yet. You know, he might turn it around. Uh, but yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's a good prediction. All right. Cool. So I'm excited for next to the next one because that'll be double figures. That'll be episode 10. Double figures. I'm really looking forward to seeing episode 10. Episode 10. I read the news today, oh boy, about a lucky man who made the grade. And though the news was rather sad, well, I just had to laugh. I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car He didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood and stared